Hello and welcome to Over the Rainbow. This is Bob A. again. Today we have a special guest. His name is Bill McPhee and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and he recovered nicely. So he's going to tell our story. His story. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bob. How are you today? I'm good, Bill. Would you like to tell the audience your story? Yeah, I will. So first of all, Bob, what I'll tell you is that I'm, I'm coming from right now Fort Erie, uh, Ontario. I'm on the phone with you from Fort Erie, Ontario. And the closest place near that is uh, uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. And uh, where I live, I have I live on uh, Lake Erie, the the mouth of Lake Erie, and I I have Buffalo, New York, as the skyline uh, of my view. So uh, I'm I'm there. But yeah, so um, Bob, I was actually diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia in 1987. And uh, I was 24 years old at the time, which uh, makes me, uh, I'm 57 now. And what I kind of do is I I consider when I tell my story, I, I call it kind of life after mental illness. Because I think that that's the goal with anybody with any disorder is that we want to have a life. We want to have quality of life. And uh, today I do have that quality of life. I've, I've, uh, I have uh, three children and... Uh, um, I have a uh, a good life, and I think that's uh, that's what's important. But it definitely uh, always wasn't like that. Um, I was definitely uh, very very ill. And uh, for those who don't, just a few facts about schizophrenia. Basically, uh, schizophrenia actually means split from reality, or in psychosis, or out of reality. And uh, one out of a hundred people actually have this illness. And uh, it's very de- devastating. Usually it's with uh, people between, uh, say, uh, 15 and, 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 and 25. Uh, however, there's always uh, exceptions to that. And uh, and the reason uh, that schizophrenia is known as youth greatest disabler, and, the, and that is the reason, is because usually it hits between 15 and 25, and it's very debilitating. And uh, with uh, schizophrenia, you have what's known as positive and negative symptoms. And uh, positive symptoms are basically, you know, people think, oh, positive, that sounds good, that must be good. Uh But actually it isn't. Basically what positive symptoms mean is that things are added to your personality that shouldn't be there when you have positive symptoms, such as hearing voices, being paranoid, uh, being delusional, out of reality. Do you, um, uh, uh, do you have hallucinations? Well, no, um, I, I did, and, and I'll get into that, but th- those are the kind of, you, you can have hallucinations with schizophrenia, and you can have uh, illusions as well, and those uh, things are known as positive symptoms. However, with schizophrenia as well, you have negative symptoms or deficit symptoms, and these are things that are kind of lacking from your personality. So you might have a lack of motivation, a lack of drive, a lack of joy. You have emotional bluntness. You have blandness. Uh, depression can sit in, set in. You have lack of joy. So these things are missing, and so that they're known as deficit or um, negative symptoms. And with schizophrenia, you everybody is different. Just to give you know, everybody's different, but you'll have a combination of those uh, of those symptoms. And uh, suicide is, is very. Uh, 
is very common with schizophrenia. 50% of the people with schizophrenia will try to commit suicide and 10% uh, actually succeed if you call that success. And in my case, um, my case, yes, I, I was uh, hospitalized six different times. I lived in three different group homes. I had a suicide attempt and I spent five years on the couch dealing with the depression, uh, uh, a, a very deep, deep depression. So uh, I, I'll kind of get into uh, how I was first diagnosed and sort of the symptoms and, and what I experienced uh, in, in, in my story. So basically what happened is, well, I should tell you, uh, before I get into that, well, I should tell you that there's, there's basically three legs to schizophrenia and, and, and three causes or a combination of causes. And, and one is genetic. It's a genetic uh, uh, illness, which means it can be passed down throughout generations, uh, just, like, uh, just like how cancer runs in families, uh, diabetes runs in families, uh, heart disease runs in families. Uh, so uh, mental illness runs in families as well. And um, so you have that, and then you have what's a biochemical cause, which the scientist tells us there's different chemicals in the brain that are basically such as dopamine and serotonin that are that are ill-regulated. And then usually what happens is there's usually a triggering point, a stressor that acts as a triggering point. So those are the three causes of, so they tell us, with schizophrenia. And in, and in my case... Um, in my case, genetics played a role because when I was, uh, my mom, uh, years ago, I mean, I told you I was 57 now and I can remember being, you know, six, seven, eight years old and my mom was always in the hospital. She was back and forth and my mom way back then to, uh, was known as, uh, manic depressive, which, uh, today, uh, we call bipolar. So my mom was very manic depressive and she was in a hospital back and forth. So as a little kid, I grew up with mental illness, uh, in the family, uh, but I never dreamed that I would come down with a mental illness myself. I kind of thought that it was a weakness or, you know, somebody can just snap out of it and, right. and that. And I, I got to tell you that that's a myth. I consider myself as a, a strong person, but mm -hmm. I never, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, uh, schizophrenia took its toll on me and it was the hardest thing that I ever had to come out of and fight uh, for a good quality of life and it's a very distributed uh, illness. So, so mental illness wasn't a stranger to me uh, growing up but it, uh, you know, mom was always in the hospital every couple of years kind of thing. So what happened to, to me, Bob, is that, um, which was the stressor, is that uh, when I was uh, 24, um, I got a, a girl pregnant, and uh, I didn't tell anybody that. I sort of suppressed, uh, suppressed it. I was kind of ashamed of that, and, that, and uh, I didn't tell anybody, and I suppressed it, and time and time goes by, but then I was looking for forgiveness, and uh, I started to dive into theology, and uh, looking for forgiveness, and I started to dive into the Bible. And uh, mm -hmm. then some strange things started to happen where, for example, um, I would see words float off the page and mm -hmm. have my Bible float off and expand and contract, and I'd see faces in the wall. The, at the time, I had barnwood in my, on my walls, and I'd, there'd be knots in it, and the knots would turn into faces, and, wow. and I, I wasn't sleeping properly. I, I, I would be waking up. I'd call off sick to work, not mm -hmm. showing up 
shifts and different things like that. And what those were, those were the signs of the, the beginning of positive symptoms. I began to get very paranoid. And, and my uh, uh, illness was very similar uh, to, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie A Beautiful Mind where Russell Crowe played John Nash in that movie. And remember when John Nash was in the Pentagon and all these words and code letters on the board at the Pentagon were becoming bold and they were floating off the, the wall and you've seen all this code and all that. That's right. exactly that what was happening with me and everything like that. So you, I became... You, said, but, right, you, know, you see other people as well? like you know, No, I never... I didn't see other people. I did at one time hallucinate. I did have uh, hallucinations. Okay. Uh, and I did hear voices. And, and that's very common. Hearing voices okay. is very common with schizophrenia and also uh, being very paranoid is, is very uh, uh, common with schizophrenia. And yeah. So basically... Uh, yeah, I, just, uh, I just wanted to say that I can relate to hallucinations because I got very sick one day mm-hmm. and I woke up in a hallucination, which was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. I had taken too many cold tablets and I had a high fever and it was terrible, so I can understand how bad it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what happened is that um, to make long story short is that uh, because I was very 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 ill, I became ill within a period of six months. I've gone, I, my symptoms came on very fast, and and that's known as an acute uh, onset of schizophrenia, where a lot of time there's a, a slow onset as well, where people when they're young in their teenagers they they may go on through certain you know parents may think uh their kids are going through a certain phase that they're experimenting with drugs or they're not and it's a slow onset it's not really a drastic change from somebody but my character within six months changed so drastically that a lot of people knew uh that there was definitely something wrong with me and and, and what ended up happening is in the middle of winter in a January cold month uh it was the coldest night of the year, and I ended up walking down the street uh, uh, naked and everything like that, and uh, being picked up by the police and uh, being being put into uh, the psych ward and and and, and things what, like that. What age so were that you was then? Uh, what's that? Sorry, sorry. What age were you then? Yeah, so I was 24 at that time. Okay. So I was 24. And uh, so I, I ended up being in hospital and, uh, you know, very delusional, very paranoid and, and different things like that. And uh, so I, I'd be in the hospital and they'd give me uh, medication. And um, I can remember being in a hospital just pacing back and forth down the hall, pacing mm-hmm. and pacing. And um, and uh, I'd be on medication and uh, uh, um, I was very delusional. And... Um, I remember I had the sensation that I, I had to go to the washroom all the time, but I couldn't go, and and uh, the TV was talking to me, and I was paranoid, and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, I can remember being in slow motion. I can remember almost being zombie-like, and uh, I can remember looking out the window and seeing cars going by down the street and thinking, oh, Bill, you'll never drive again. Everything seems so, so speeded up. And and uh, so anyways, what happened is that eventually I got on on a medication and my, uh, my the, the TV wasn't talking to me anymore and my paranoia went away and, and um, 
I wasn't getting cold off the radio anymore and, and, and everything like that. And really what happened is that I was literally going from being insane or in psychosis or out of reality, whatever you want to call it. I was, I was going out of being out of reality, coming back into reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, though, is that you think, you know, I would have said that that's great. That's great, Bill. You're back into reality. That's great. But my reality consisted of that. I realized that after all this, that I had lost my house, I had lost my financial security, I had lost my friends, I had lost my job, and I found out that I was just another one out of a hundred people with this illness known as schizophrenia. So even though uh, I got back into reality, my life kind of sucked. Uh, Reality sucked. Can I ask you what uh, medication you took? Yeah, so basically when I first started, uh, I was on uh, what they gave is um, Haldol. I was on Haldol, and that made me very zombie-like. And then I got uh, on to uh, another medication that didn't work, and then I got on to uh, Loxapac or Loxapine uh, that brought me back into reality. But uh, down the road, like I had, uh, uh, I was hospitalized. I went, eventually, uh, I went off my medication because I wanted to know do I need to have this medication? Do is it a right. freak? Was it you know? Do I really? Am I really sick? And all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I went off my medication, and within six months, my uh, my psychosis came back. My my mm. I, I the the the, the illness uh, knows the illness tricks the mind, and it's so powerful. Mm that you don't know that you're sick and I I got sick again from being off of medication and they didn't trust me to take my medication so they started me on with an injection and uh, this injection was a little bit of an antidepressant with an antipsychotic called Fluinaxel and uh, I started I they started giving me that and I've been on that medication for over 30 years and it keeps me into reality and uh, you know the why why did you think um, in other words why did you think that you didn't need the medicine I mean why did you want to get off of it did you have diet well, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's kind of natural. I mean, I think for uh, for a lot of people on medication, they just want to know: Do they really have this illness? Uh, is it a fluke? Why? You know, was it maybe it's a one-time thing and and all that? And it just seems like the the natural thing to do because a lot of times with these antipsychotic medications, there's side effects, and and sometimes you know, the, especially with the older drugs, side effects have been so devastating that it's it really takes a toll on people and. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't. So, but I, I needed to know if I needed to be on medication. And actually, eighty percent of people with schizophrenia will get feeling better on medication, and they will go off. And uh, uh, that, that's very common. And, yeah. Um, uh, it, it, well, one of the things I fight against is a uh, stigma of the mental illness, and that you're on the drug, and somehow being on drugs makes you weak. But I, I think, I think that's kind of a myth, and that. See, I was always scared because I had a tremendous, tremendous depression, anxiety attack, and, and I was, I was scared, and I still am scared out of my mind to go off yeah. the med- to go off the medicine because it was so terrible. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 the thing is, is that um, you know, and that that's the difference. See, a lot of times, you know, you're talking about people on medication thinking that they're weak. And the thing with mental illness 
that a lot of people don't understand is that they compare it to a physical illness. They'll say, oh, well, it's just like diabetes or it's just like having, you know, you have to regulate it and you have to take care of yourself. But the fact that that's not true because what makes mental illness different than any other illness is that with any other illness, you could fall down and break your arm and your bone could be sticking out of your arm and your brain would tell you, oh, you have a broken arm, you got to go to the hospital and get it fixed and get a cast on and everything like that. But with mental illness, the brain is broken and the brain doesn't realize that it's sick. When you're in, when you're paranoid and when you're delusional, you really believe these things are happening, and so the brain doesn't know it's sick, and that's why it's a cruel illness. Mental illness is cruel mm-hmm. because it affects the brain, and we don't know that we're actually sick. Where with physical illnesses, our brain can tell us that we're sick, and that's the difference between mental illness and all the physical illnesses. Yeah. And then what happens too is that. Um, uh, the thing is, is what's so frustrating with mental illness is that when we have a mental illness, a lot of times we're out of logic. Things don't make sense. We, we don't make sense. Our delusions don't make sense. Our stories, our, you know, our hallucinations, we don't make sense because we're out of logic. And the rest of the world and the rest of the people are, are logical. They're in logic. And so when logical people try to communicate or talk to or understand somebody who is out of logic, it just doesn't work. And and basically, you know, it's like oil and water. They don't mix, and logic and illogic don't mix. And, and that's why mental illness is so frustrating, and that's why it's so hard to treat. Because if people don't realize they have an illness, they think, why should I get treated well, and everything I- like that? I talk about people that uh, self-medicate, and there's a large population that they'll just drink or they'll gamble or they have some other addiction, and that's like a self-medication instead of going on a real medication that can really help. So there's that stigma there that, oh, I'm not crazy, I don't need the medication, and people just refuse to take it. Now, I'm not saying everybody should take medicine, but if you need, if you need it, take it. If you don't that's need right, it, don't absolutely. Take it. That, that, that's right, if you, you need it. And, and you mentioned a different, uh, you know, self-medication. What happens a lot of times is that, um, you know, people don't understand. When, when people are getting ill when they're young, and say they're, they may be in their early teens or something like that, and if they're hearing voices or if they're paranoid or if they're, you know, they're delusional and they, you know, have a lot of things going on. They don't know their mental and maybe they'll, they'll turn to alcohol to try to get rid of those voices or, mm-hmm. or turn to street drugs and, and become addicted. That's why it's very important that we should never judge. We should never judge people. And if we see a homeless person or somebody who's uh, on drugs, homeless, and that, we should never judge that person because we don't know what they've gone through. We don't, we've never walked in their shoes. And those people may have been self-medicating because they didn't know they had an illness. They didn't know what they had, and they were just trying to do the best they could to get rid well, of whatever was ailing them. It's just not talked about enough. I mean, the only time they bring it up is when somebody goes and shoots a school children, and then they say, well, yeah. he was mentally ill. But there's yeah. a lot of media that doesn't, they don't touch the subject. And people yeah. themselves... Yeah. They don't talk, you don't go to work and say, well, I'm mentally ill. So, so there's still a, a huge stigma, which I would, you know, really like to battle and, and, and somehow 
you know, start a revolution where people are starting to talk more about it. That would be my ultimate goal. I, I don't really think that'll happen, but that's, that's my goal with this show is to get it to the point where people accept it as an illness and it's not a weakness. And right. that's what that's what I, I I'm trying to do. And right now, I don't have a big audience. I have a few people, but um, I'm going to keep going and be, and keep producing uh, episodes and. For sure. And Absolutely. Yeah, you have to do that. Yeah, that that's right. So then, so basically, so um, you know, I I was I moved away and I tried to get back to work and everything and. And I got sick again. I went off my medication. So, so really that, so basically I was, uh, after being hospitalized six different times in that, this was way back in uh, 1987. And, um, I was on the couch and, and, uh, basically dealing with a depression now when I was very inactive and everything like that. And, uh, being on the couch, uh, I, I was in a depression, a deep depression. And, and, uh, I, I just, I was so scared because I was on that couch for five years and I was scared thinking that five years is going to turn into seven years and seven years into 10 years and 10, and, and ten years into 15 years. And, and you see that. You see people like that all the time. You oh, yeah. see we get stuck and, and people can't get unstuck. And I was so scared that I was going to do that. And, and I actually, because of my depression, I did have a suicide uh, attempt uh, um, I, I, I OD'd on uh, a bunch of drugs, a bunch of sleeping pills and that, and uh, I was put in the hospital again, and my stomach was pumped, and, and the charcoal treatment and all of that stuff. I don't remember actually that stuff. I remember waking up back in a psych ward, but never, I don't remember at the time getting my pump, stomach pumped and all that. But. They didn't give you anything for your depression itself? Well, you know what? I was on I was on uh, antidepressants. I did got me on antidepressants, but I was in such a deep depression it was very bad. And then, so what used to happen is that when you are depressed, you you keep thinking back in your life and you think, oh, if only I would have done this in school, or if I would have took in this job, or if I would have only started studied harder, or if only I, my parent, my dad had a different job, or my mom had a different education. You're thinking of all these things that are negative in, in your life that you wish you, because you, you hate the, the state that you're in. And one thing that I remember, and this is coming up to my turning point, is one thing I remember is this grade seven teacher once told me, she said to me, she said, you know, Bill, if you don't learn how to write properly in life, you'll never amount to anything. And what she meant about writing was my penmanship. I had very poor penmanship and um, wrote like chicken scratch and that. And I remembered this, you know, this negative thing that this teacher said to me. And I said to myself, I said, well, I'm going to prove to somebody that I can do something. And what I did is I phoned the Florida Literacy Foundation and I said, listen, I know how to read and I know how to write, but my penmanship is really bad. I want to improve my penmanship. Can you send somebody over to help me? So I got a volunteer that came into my life, Martha. And uh, Martha was the executive director of the Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and she was going to Niagara College for social work, and she was also uh, a volunteer to the Literacy Foundation. And Martha would come over and take an interest in me, and we'd do penmanship activities 
exercises once a week. And I dreaded it. I, I dreaded it because of this, because dealing with when you're depressed and dealing with the negative symptoms of schizophrenia, a lot of times you don't shower or shave or, or, or keep clean or get dressed and, and all that kind of stuff. So every night, every once a week when Martha was supposed to come over, I'd say, oh my God, Martha's coming over tonight. That means I gotta wash my hair and brush my teeth and shave all these things that are difficult to do with negative symptoms. So anyways, Martha would come over, and before too long, Martha learned more about schizophrenia from me than I did penmanship from her. But Martha took an interest in me, and she said, Bill, she said, I know you're not doing much, which was an understatement. And she said, I take a course at the, at the college, the local college. She said, why don't you sign up for a course, and I'll drive you. And... uh you know, I thought, oh, drive and, and, and sign up for a course. And, oh, my God, that means i got to wash my hair and brush my teeth and shave, right? Oh. But, but I, I, I signed up for a photography course because uh, my license was suspended and uh, from erratic uh, driving from my illness. And uh-huh. my license was suspended, and, and I went to course with Martha, and I signed up for a photography course. And I did the darkroom stuff, and I did the... The, the field trips and took the pictures and everything like that. But I had no joy. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I just went through the motions. I did it anyways. I just kind of forced myself to just do it anyways. And uh, so now, you know, I was doing penmanship exercises with Martha. I was going to, to school once a week for my photography class. And the next thing I know is that Martha's on the phone and she says, Bill, she says, I'm the seventh group group person, chairperson of the 40 Scouts, Beavers, and Cubs, and we need a treasurer. How would you like to be our treasurer? And I thought, oh, my God, I thought, that means I got to wash my hair and brush my teeth and shave, all these things that are difficult to do with negative symptoms. But I said, okay, Martha, I said, you know, I'll come to your stupid meeting and, and kind of be your treasurer. Uh-huh. Well, that was a tr- turning point in my life. Because I met Martha's husband, I met her children, I met Peter, who eventually I'd start um, playing racquetball and squash with, and I started helping out with Apple Day and Cub Cars and campouts and things like that. And what it did is it gave me a whole new uh, circle of friends who accepted me for who I was and not what I had. And um, so now... Now I uh, have I have friends, and um, uh, now that I have friends, but all my friends were working, and I wasn't working, and I thought, well, that needed to be the next step, and so throughout the next little while, you know, probably a couple years or so, whatever, I tried different kind of jobs, and I tried to do community things, and I tried to create a spark, so if the local band was playing in the band shell at the old Forbes, I would go to that. If, you know, I got interested in politics that were at our local library, the town council meetings, I would go to that. Uh I would always try to put things, I'd look in the community newspaper and put things on the calendar to go to. If somebody was showing a travel log or something, I would go to it. And, um, and one day what happened, basically I was going to a town council meeting that was held in the library, the local library, and I found a book and it was called 101 Ways How to Start a Business with Little or No Capital. 
And I said, oh. that's me. I have no capital. And I read a scenario in the book where before VCRs were invented, this, this woman watched three separate television stations and she watched the soap operas and she ended up doing a newsletter on the soap operas and selling it to her working friends. As soon as I read that, a light bulb came on in my head and I said, you know what? I probably can't do a newsletter on soap operas, but I could probably do something on schizophrenia. And that was in 1993 that I had that idea. And I took some business courses and some entrepreneur courses. And in, in March of 1994, I incorporated my company called Magpie Media Inc. And for the next 23 years, uh, I, I published a magazine called SZ Magazine, a mental health magazine. And I did that for 23 years, and I spoke right across North America at many conferences and, mm -hmm. and everything like that. So um, so then uh, just recently, uh, you know, I've been retired since uh, 2016, but I wrote a book. My book is called To Cry a Dry Tear, Bill McPhee's Journey of Hope and Recovery with Schizophrenia. And uh, so as a hobby, uh, that's my hobby. I, I, I sell my I, I sell my book that I that I wrote, but I'm I'm kind of semi-retired. My two children live with me here at home. Um, my Dwight's 17, Hannah's 15, and my uh, oh. I have a 32-year-old son too who's out in Halifax. Uh, uh, works for a company called Concentrix and that. And uh, so, um, so really, I, I have a good quality of life. I'm, mm -hmm. I consider myself semi-retired, and I do a lot of volunteer work for the, for the church. I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, uh, I do a lot of volunteer work, and uh, I, I'm very content. And 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 my health is good. My health is good. My mental health is good. Physically, I'm a bit overweight, but. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy, and I think I have a good quality of life, and I enjoy my life. And my philosophy, though, is to keep my life as stress-free as possible mm -hmm. and as simple as possible. And I think that, uh, and that's what I strive to do. Wow, that's an excellent story. Um, so, um, this book, is, uh, is there a website that you would like to? Yeah, you know what, I, I actually, uh, it can be found on Amazon if you search to, to cry a dry tear on Amazon, you'd find it. Okay. You can also get it on my website, but my website is just being revamped uh, uh, right now, so I'm not sure if it's up or not, I'm just revamping my website, but it's uh, billmcphee.ca so www.billmcphee.ca and McPhee is M-A-C-C P-H-E-E, so BillMcPhee.ca, and uh, you can get my book, and uh, I also, what I'm trying to do is, uh, I also have a, uh, a Facebook group uh, called uh, Helping Parents of Mentally Ill Children, and what I'm doing there, I'm just getting that started, is where, uh, like you, you interview for a podcast, and I'm, I'm going to be interviewing people on, uh, on, on, on Facebook Live and, wow. uh, and, 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 and streaming that and interviewing parents of, of people uh, who have a mental illness and streaming that and having that live and answering questions and that. So um, that will be part of, of what I do. So I'm just getting all that stuff together now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have – I used to do YouTube videos. I have over 350 YouTube videos on my channel of just basically – Talking about mental illness and uh, and that and if you just go to uh, YouTube and search my name Bill McPhee, my videos will come up and, okay. and things like that. Yeah. 
That's terrific. That's I mean, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, and and I think and I think you know that, that's why I tried to, I tried to share hope and, and that there is life of uh, after mental illness, and I think that you know everybody just wants to have. Uh, I think that everybody the goal should be people need to have a good quality of life, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people who 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 are out there with with not a good quality of life, and I think we we always need to be striving for that, and and then finding that help and that, and and then the best advice that I think I could ever give anybody is to try to fill your social calendar up with events to look forward to, and try to get active in the community and. And that, and uh, that's that's what I, I suggest because I think that it's important to have things to look forward to, uh, yeah. and it's also important to you know to just uh, uh, be, ha, you know have have a good social life. I believe. Okay, and you're still taking the antipsychotic and, yes. and the antidepressant, or you've got yeah, no? I well, I get I still get that injection. So every oh, okay. every four every four weeks, I get uh, an injection of forty milligrams of fluinaxel, which is the antipsychotic with a little bit of an antidepressant in it. And then for side effects, I take a medication called Cogentin. Um, and uh, uh, Cogentin is, is for those side effects. And then just recently, though, uh, back in, uh, I guess it might be uh, July of this year, I was just diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, so I am on, I am on uh, uh, metaphor, uh, metaf- metaphorphin or whatever uh, for my diabetes. Uh, so I do take a diabetes medication now. Yeah. But, uh, but that's under control uh, and that. And, uh, yeah, so... So that's, uh, yeah, so I still take the antipsychotics, and I'm pretty sure that, like, many, many years ago, if I went off my antipsychotic, the nature of the illness, the yeah. nature of schizophrenia would, would trick my mind, and I'd be out of reality. And that's yeah. why I like to tell people that it's very dangerous to get off your medication if you had a, a really bad depression, and mm-hmm. because you'll feel good for a couple of weeks, but then, boom, You'll get yeah. it hard again. So, yeah, and uh, and like I say, you know, the depression is very hard. It's a, it's a, if, if anybody, if somebody's never really been in a deep depression, they don't true. really don't know about it because it can be very yeah. dark. It can be very. Oh, yeah. You feel very that life is meaningless. You have mm-hmm. no hope. Uh, things are overwhelming. Everything is overwhelming, and and it's just uh, you feel so hopeless and yeah. and and. and Worthless, you know. When you're in a deep, there's nothing worse than anybody who's ever really been in a deep, deep depression. Depression is yeah, absolutely right. I mean, uh, yeah. the anxiety and depression I was in were that, that happened, co- you know, coincide, and it was just. I mean, I can't describe how horrible it was for me. But mm-hmm. with the, with the medicine, I'm doing pretty good. Um, probably not as good as you, but. <laughs> I, I I have a pretty good life, and uh, I'm fairly content. My job is a little bit tough and stressful because I'm in IT, but... Mm. I, oh, you're I, in IT, are you? Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, wow, very good, wow. Yeah, and I make good money, so that's not a problem, but it's yeah. just... It's just um, it's, it's still a battle because I have so yeah. many different... I don't know if you looked up my uh, podcast, but I... I have uh, depression, anxiety, OCD, ADD, HD, and, and dyslexia. Oh, so wow. when I'm at work, it's sort of like torture to write documents because I have to go there and proofread it six, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> 60 times. 
Wow. So, so that hurts the quality of my life, but yeah, yeah. yeah I'm working but, you on know, it. I gotta tell you, I have, I know, I know how hard it is to work, to to work and have to work when you have a mental illness, and I, I have the greatest respect for people who have a mental illness and can still hold down, uh, you know, a job. Uh, I have the greatest respect for people like that because I know it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Yeah, I have a lot of resilience. I mean, I just keep coming back. I don't give up. Uh, yeah. No matter what yeah. happens, um, I'm always landing back on my feet and stuff. And and that's very important. I, I think that what's important to dealing with the mental is persistent, to be very persistent. And, and you know what? And sometimes, sometimes we have to be uh, like a basketball. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before it bounces back up, you know? That's true. That, before the that's ball bounces true. back up, yeah. Yeah. But I wish uh, uh, people would recognize signs of depression and then get on the medication before it's too late. That's that's one thing I'm trying to preach. Yeah, because you know what? You, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, because so, you know, like, like I think I heard on one of your podcasts, and I and I agree with you that that depression eventually will go away, but eventually right. will go away. But the dangerous part of that is that when you are in a deep depression, is that you might take your own life before that depression goes away. Exactly. So that's why, that's why it's such a dangerous, because I mean, you know, I mean, I, I wrote my suicide note. I like, I can only see so much in dark, the darkness that was there. And it is, depression is very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're so glad it worked out for you. Um, and I'm, Really happy that you shared your story. It's very interesting, and I think our listeners, maybe the two or three, <laughs> that yeah. will and, come and, and enjoy it like I yeah, do. Well, thanks, Bob. Well, listen, Bob, before I go, I just want to get, plug my book one more time. It's called yeah. To Dry, Dry Tear, Bill McPhee's Journey of Hope and Recovery with Schizophrenia. And what's, what's really unique about my book is that it has all of my nursing notes and all of the doctor's notes that uh, from when I was uh, in the hospital. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to take you off the air for a minute, but uh, we can talk. Okay. That was Mr. Bill Maxey, M-A-C-P-H-E-E. I think you'll be hearing his name more. And you heard it here first, exclusively. Um but remember to put this .ca instead of the .com, or you'll get the wrong website. It's Bill McPhee, B-I-L-L-M-A-C-P-H-E-E dot C-A. And the book is on Amazon. It's called To Cry a Dry Tear. The subtitles I don't remember. Um, but it will be on post for this episode. And we'll continue to have great guests like Bill. He was terrific. I thank you, Bill. Uh, when you get famous, uh, look me up. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but seriously, on a serious note, if anyone has any signs of psychosis as described by Bill, it doesn't take long. I think he said six weeks before he started hallucinating, and that's not good. I hallucinated once, and I never want to do that again. Um, it was just a cold. It was actually something called parainfluenza. Anyway, um, 
I won't give you any more, but continue to listen. And remember, if you do have any problem, to, to contact Bill or myself at overtherainbowbob dot dot at gmail dot com and um we will try to point you in the right we will point you in the right direction we won't try this this topic is very serious for me I like to get around but this is very serious and uh join me on Twitter please over the rain one bow nobody has that one all right, we'll, we'll see everybody on the next uh, podcast, which should be soon. It might just be me, uh, but we will have more guests, I promise. And uh, have a great Sunday. Take care. I love you guys.